You're listening to Pacific Post-Ups, an NBA podcast covering the Pacific Division, with your hosts, Lewis Dade and Nick Boylan. Let's get into it. Hello and welcome in to another season preview here on the Pacific Post-Ups. Just like last week, I've been joined, as per usual, by Nick Boylan. Nick, how you going, mate? Uh, pretty good, Lou. Uh, a slightly dusty after a very interesting evening uh, where I got to meet a couple of brewers who are down from Queensland and uh, I didn't really pay for a beer for the entire night, which is uh, which was a dangerous uh, encounter, um, but a fun one. So excuse uh, my voice sounding a little bit of a lower register than usual, uh, but that is not a clear indication of how excited I am to talk about one of the more intriguing teams in the Pacific Division heading into this season. Yeah, for, for our listeners that, that don't know, Nick is uh, quite the the craft brewery. I'm just going to use a phrase snob. Apologies, Nick. Um, That's an accurate one, so it's okay. <laughs> you can, you, I think he's got some social media content out there if you really want to go uh, stalk him. Um, but no, if, uh, if you're into your, your craft beers, I'm sure Nick will happily engage with it a Twitter conversation um, around that kind of topic. A man that's probably a lot more into his basketball than his craft beers is James Boo, who's back again for another week. James, nice to have you on. Thanks for having me back. So clearly last week, you know, me coming on didn't take the numbers, so it's good to hear. <laughs> doing yourself uh, no justice there, but uh, let's jump off with the Clippers, who 42 and 40 last season, obviously it was a very... Bizarre year, injuries considered. Um, there was no Kawhi all year. PG only played 31 games. That being said, this team was was pretty fun um, for a team that didn't have its two max contract superstars. Uh, I guess when you think of the the last year Clippers, Nick, what's the what's the first things that come to mind? Injuries. Um, this was a team that was uh, had to go through quite a lot of different things at different times and I use injuries, but I'll just player abscesses in general. They're one of the teams most uh, heavily hit by uh, the league's health and safety protocols. Um, but then obviously with no Kawhi Leonard for that entire year, Paul George only played the 31 games with the torn UCL. Um, it was probably an interesting kind of, not a like a nothing season, but a, an interesting sort of, basketball campaign for Ty Lue to embark on because it meant that they actually had to, you know, get creative and have a look at a lot of different sort of players. And in some ways, although it maybe didn't end in a what could have been a really interesting sort of playoff push, um, particularly with Paul George sort of coming back at the end of the year, um, it it does mean that there's uh, a whole plethora of role players now um, on this team who are, you know, sort of ready to step in with the big guns back. And that's why I think this team is just going to be so interesting to watch this year. Yeah, I, I agree. I mean, you know, outside of a what was a bit of a bizarre injury riddle season, I think my my far away, my favourite memory of last year's Clippers team was, a, was it the Washington game with the yep. absurd comeback um, when I'm, 60 years from now, and I'm subjecting grandchildren to this conversation, I'll be telling them how hot Luke Kennard got for that that little stretch there. But, you know, you're right. There wasn't a lot for Clippers fans to to enjoy other than a bit of hope and a, 
an underdog team. It reminded me a little bit of that Clippers team that took your Warriors to six in the first round that I feel like now probably is almost perversely overrated because of how much fun that series was, Nick. But mm. um, it was it was really a season with minimal expectation from the Clippers. James, I, I guess from your perspective, obviously Nick and myself covered them for most of the year. But, um, you know, what was there to get excited about on that kind of Clippers roster from last year? Um, I mean, you know, the NBA is like so talented now that, you know, the fringe of every roster, there's always some interesting guys like uh, Amir Coffey, from what I heard, had a, you know, a major breakout season. Hardenstein, oh my God, I got it. There's a few people I know who have been on Hardenstein, you know, when he was, you know, stuck behind. Yeah. What, Tyson Chandler or something on Houston? I forgot who their backup center was behind Capella, but. You're Tyson. right. It was it was um, Tyson Chandler. Yeah. Tyson Chandler. Yeah. So, um, you know, watching him, you know, get to play some minutes and actually do his thing, you know, that was so exciting. Um, so, um, yeah, like there's always stories like that on the fringes of the NBA roster. So I think that's probably the main thing. Um, yeah. I think, uh, yeah, I think realistically, the other the other thing that really stood out to me last year and it kind of comes across with the topics we just discussed is Ty Lue did a really good job with what he had available to him. Um, you know, I, I think when I look at Ty Lue came to this roster, obviously, with the thought that he would be coaching a contender um, more often than not. And he, he didn't, he certainly didn't sulk about it last year. Uh, I think he did a really good job. You know, when you look at teams that finished around the Clippers and total talent, um, you know, they, they certainly played above their weight. Um, mm. And, you know, we've been pretty complimentary of, Tyloo before uh, on this podcast. It's probably worth going into the outs, the ins and the outs now um, while we're on the while we're on the topic. So you touched on Isaiah Hartenstein, James. Um, he signed with the Knicks, which is I, th- I believe the Clippers could have matched that deal, um, but mm, I'm not 100 sure. Um, but obviously, started to get a bit out of their price range, I think. So yeah, and the Clippers are very. I think much... he had. I'm not sure if he had a similar situation to Malik Monk where it was like the early bird rights so like the max they could offer was around six million. Okay. I think so they, yeah. they only had him for one year, right? Like he was on Yeah, it was like Cam to start off, I think. He's on the Cavs end of last season. So I think yep. that I assume that's kind of what happened. Yeah. And then so the Knicks they, gave him the full mid level, right? They did. Um and yeah. plus just to be honest with you, I, I'm not much like the your situation in Golden State, I will not criticise the Clippers for not spending $70 million to retain a player that's, you know, objective market value is about $10 million or something like that. So I think I read the other day that Luke Kennard is costing the Clippers something like $55 million a year once you take in, you know, again, luxury tax and everything. But no, the, the Clippers have been pretty willing to spend, but Hartenstein's certainly quite a loss. I mean, a lot of those rim protection analytics um, showed up really high for him, which is interesting because defensively was one of his biggest question marks when he first kind of started showing his face in the league. We'd touch him before in Houston and uh, Denver and then the Cavs. Um, and you know, offensively, you know, we can dive into a little bit, but he does a lot of things that you like to see. He can really pass the ball. Um, I'll let Nick probably continue this conversation because he's got his, he's got four Isaiah Hartenstein jerseys, including a brand new Knicks one sitting under that T-shirt he's wearing. Well, actually, the new Nick City jersey looks pretty cool. So that's a, that's a good idea. Particularly, there's a new, brand new NBA store in Melbourne, Lou. So they might actually, I might actually be able to get myself uh, some new Hartenstein merch. But um, no, he's he's someone who is a very 
interesting and tantalizing offensive prospect to have in the front court. You mentioned his playmaking. It's, it's not just good. It's quite, it's great um, for a big guy. Um, you know, his shooting is something that's ticking along a little bit. He's not a pure stretch five by any means, but he's someone who has got, um, you know, has got a little bit of, uh, of a skill set um, on the perimeter. Um, and yeah, and, plays hard, um, is a bit of a fiery character, um, which I do enjoy. And yeah, he's, I think his defense surprised a lot of people. Um, he was a real factor for this team. Um, you know, someone who, you know, we sort of had a look at their roster at the start of the season when we were doing the preview and he was someone who immediately jumped off the page. I think particularly with, with Kawhi being injured, um, you know, and the sort of, a lot of the free hits the Clippers sort of had um, to start the season. He was the one who I was sort of more interested to watch and, you know, became pretty indispensable. And a lot of Clippers fans are pretty bummed to see him go. But, um, yeah, should have a good opportunity um, at MSG um, where, you know, he's playing playing at the, uh, the bright lights of the garden. And I think you'll enjoy that. So, To, to me... You know, was, no, was, no. was Harry Giles on the roster at the start of last season or was that the year before? Year before, I reckon. I think, yeah, because that wasn't a, was that a training? I can't remember if it was the. Because he's been on, he's been around. He's since sack. He was Portland and then yeah, Clippers. Um, he not last year. He was yeah. Okay, yeah. I I think I remember like, like yeah, especially when that Kawhi injury. Yeah, the Kawhi injury. Like I was thinking. It was it was the year for my boy, but um, Hardy took it from him and kind of does a lot of similar things. Just you know, but he's also you know probably you know stronger, more durable. So you know, fair play to him. Harry lost to a pretty worthy adversary in this in this, in this case, as opposed to like 2020, 2019, 2020, Dwayne Dedman and whoever the Kings had rolling around there. Yeah, Harry Giles has always uh, been a player who I have been a little bit intrigued about the idea of. Um, but yeah, because he ended up because it was I think both of those oh, I can't remember now if Hartenstein signed a training camp. Oh, that was just a non guaranteed contract, um, and they were sort of both fighting out for a roster spot in training camp. But yeah, he he, yeah, he signed with the one of the better G League team, team names, the Agua Caliente Clippers, um, and then got waived by them at the start of the year because then he got. Pretty sure he had a pretty bad injury from what I can remember. Um, so yeah, it, it's um, yeah, I wouldn't mind seeing him get back to the NBA at some stage. But well, that that's a that's a podcast for another time. Uh, I think uh, before we we go down a, a twenty minute Isaiah Hartenstein Harry Giles retrospective, um, Rodney Hood's out, and to to give the the listeners a bit of a an insight here, here um, if you delved into Nick Boylan's search history right now, you'd find, is Rodney Hood still in the NBA? Um, because that's the conversation we had before we started <laughs> recording today. Um, you know, objectively a guy that if any contender picked him up and you saw the Woj bomb, you'd probably think, yeah, you know what? Last spot in the roster, I like that. But at the end of the day, he hasn't actually shown up a lot in the last couple of years. So I don't think that's any great loss unless either of you have got any Jay Scrub stock. Uh, do either of you think that uh, there's any, outside of Hartenstein, that there's anything worth talking about there? Not particularly. Moving on to the ins. So, um, John Wall to the Clippers was obviously rumoured for a long time, um, as was John Wall to the Lakers. Um, and John Wall basically put pen to paper 
with the LA Clippers as soon as humanly possible. In fact, he put pen to paper so quickly that he probably could, the Clippers probably could be done for a tampering violation. Um, but that's a deal that's been kind of well talked about. Uh, we'll circle back to no doubt what is going to be a, an interesting starting point guard conversation a little bit later. Uh, but he's really the big addition for the Clippers. As a, they've also added, um, it's, it's Diabate, isn't it, Nick? Yep. Musa Diabate in the with the draft, which we talked about a little bit when he got drafted. I think we both like the upside there. And Moses Brown, who is a very, very large human being. Um, as a net positive, in and out, John Wall in, Isaiah Hartenstein out. What are we thinking? Is that is that a net win or a net loss for an offseason, Nick? Cool. Um, I mean, I'll probably that's probably one of the the, the storylines um, might touch on a little bit later, but. Um, yeah, I mean, losing a bit of front court depth is a little bit tricky, and I think the fit is is going to be interesting. I mean, it's going to sort of be the battle um, with John Wall. Is like, okay, what are you sort of getting out of him at this stage of his career? Obviously, with the injury problems that he's had, um, and then the fact that he hasn't played basketball in quite a bit of time now. Um, what are we getting out of him? And yeah, is it a net positive the fit with Kawhi Leonard and Paul George? I mean, um, you know, Lou, we we. Where, I mean, we spoke on a, a few of the things that he was saying that, you know, he's saying all the right things in, in preseason, you know, he's understanding that he's not going to be um, the guy. He's going to need to be working on his corner three. He needs to, you know, be able to drive and kick and play make and, and make things easier for these guys. It's, yeah, that whether he's going to make things easier for Kawhi Leonard and Paul George than Reggie Jackson does, I think that's going to be the the debate that's worth having. Um, James, what did you think about sort of... Uh, you know, John Wall suiting up for the Clippers and how do you kind of see him sort of uh, slotting in with um, Kawhi and PG? Yeah, I think relative to Hardenstein, um, and I think if anything, I like Hardenstein's skill set a bit more in theory, but I think like the likelihood that like, I mean, the Clippers gave Hardenstein the rock a fair bit in the second unit, but with Kawhi back, I just couldn't see him. Like with Kawhi back and then the Clippers just, tendency to kind of, you know, go small, five out. I think just Wall is just more likely to play more minutes. So I think it's like a slight net positive, if not neutral. So, yeah, Wall. Uh, gee, I'll be very locked in on his first few games, his preseason, to see if his approach, you know, off the catch has, has changed a bit. I assume it probably won't. But I assume, like, the... At least he'll, you know, get the, the the open threes up and at least try on defense. So, um, yeah, it's it's super interesting, man. I've got no idea. It, it's I do think at this stage, I agree. Reggie Jackson is, I think, is a better bit next to the next to the other two. That said, uh, we'll, we'll get into this later. But there's another guard on the roster, guard wing ish that I think probably should play over both of them, actually. So, yeah, but that whole battle is going to be super interesting, Jesus. You know, they, they could they could run Norm at, as their smallest player, I guess, um, pretty mm. easily. So Yeah, and, and that's what their off-season said to me, right, which is, you know, this franchise obviously loves Levita Zubac, as does the Pacific post-ups, but um, they've really basically said, you know, outside of when we need Zubac, who actually has a pretty good net record against Jokic, which is worth commenting on as well. Um, 
you know, as good as as well as you can guard someone like Jokic, who does make pretty much everyone look pretty silly. Um, it it really says outside of that we're going we're going all in on small because at this point in time you're a Vita Zubac injury away from I'm not even sure any of the other big guys are cracking the rotation unless you call Covington a big, which I guess depends on which front office you sit in, but it. it or Batum or Morris, but there's no traditional big guy after, you know, no offense, Moses Brown, if if Moses Brown touches the floor during playoffs outside of garbage time, there's bigger issues going on um, in LA. But, and I know being a a roster of this contender, if they need to pick up a, again, they go back to the Boogie Cousins well, or if they need to, you know, get Dwight Howard off the scrap heap for some games or whatever here or there, sure, they'll be able to do that because they're, A, they're in LA, B, they're a contender. It's not going to be hard. They're going to be a destination choice for buyout guys. But to me, this is really this offseason more than anything was an indication of outside of Zoobs, we're all in on on small ball. We're all in on on what we did against the Jazz a couple of years ago. And you know what? I, I kind of like it. Yeah, I think that's um the the plethora of sort of players that they've got. I mean, there's you know, we've sort of talked about how sort of teams are, you know, really looking to go you know, sort of wing heavy um, a lot at the moment. And this is kind of, you know, the prime example of a very wing heavy roster. So I think, yeah, going the smaller player, like having Wall out there, I mean, we'll talk a little bit about lineups and stuff later in the pod, but yeah, it's, um, it's kind of interesting to see how they look, but yeah, I think they're like getting a, getting a buyout big who can just, you know, cop six fouls and just be a, a body out there, I think um, is definitely an option and almost it may, it may be a necessity um, for this team um, heading forward. Um, Lou, outside of, you know, the guys who they brought in, they did uh, do a bit of retention, I think, which was really important. Uh, bringing back Nick Batum, um, Amir Coffey um, on one of the cheapest and uh, best bargain deals in the NBA on three years, 11 million. Then extended our boy Zoobs and Robert Covington. Um, out of those sort of uh, guys that they brought back, um, which ones sort of you most impressed about? Um, uh, yeah, with who the Clippers were able to retain, who's sort of uh, shaping as uh, some of the more important guys on that list. So, firstly, I'd like to again compliment the Clippers front office and the fact that for a team that has minimal draft assets and will never have meaningful cap space as long as they're going under this. Roster, their method of trading for guys as they're and then extending them or just trading for guys on a longer contract like Norm is kind of their free agent, the way they operate in free agency, which I really like for a team that's operating that far over the cap. Um, so credit to them. Objectively, I mean, objectively, Batum's probably the one that could swing the most playoff series just as the easy bet, but he seemed like he was almost assured to return there. Um, him and Reggie Jackson have both been really vocal and positive about what this Clippers experience has been like for the two of them. Um, so, you know, I, I think long-term Amir Coffey, that deal is great, but I think short-term this year, I really liked what we got out of out of Covington in that back end of that Clippers season. Uh, I think he was starting to give off a bit of a washed vibe at points there, but he looked really good playing a lesser, clearer role um, in the Clippers. So when it comes to this year, you know, it might not be another, what was it, 30-plus point game against Milwaukee that we see out of him, but I think he's going to be... 40-plus. That was a wild yeah. night. That's right. I forgot about that. That was a lot. <laughs> we, we podcasted after that. That was a lot of fun. But um, yeah. I, I still, yeah, I, I still suspect that this year it's it's Covington for me, but I, I guess I'm keen to hear who James thinks is the big the big impact extension because I know James likes to go outside the box from time to time. 
Uh, it's Covington for me as well. Um, I think, you know, I'll be very interested to see, you know, when they run small, if it's Covington or Morris at the five. I kind of really hope for their sake it's Covington. But that said, um, you know, I can see the argument for Morris because I do think Covington is uh, just, he can be a bit like shoved around a little bit on the inside. Um, I think he's best as a four, really. So, all that's like, I think his rebounding is best as a four. Obviously, the help side stuff, like, he's one of the best shot blockers in the league. So, you want to kind of let him free rather than, you know, give him responsibilities and kind of box out a big and stuff. So, all that's going to be super interesting. Um, but I do think, yeah, I, th- I think overall, yeah, like Covington is, I back him to be their small ball five, and yeah, so just by on by by that, I guess he'll be playing the most uh, minutes. Um, yeah, Covington and Batum, like next, it's gonna be yeah, it's gonna be so interesting because I think um, like I was talking about this with some people too, like from a Dubs perspective, but you know, I feel like. Batum, well, Batum from the corner, did I? And then, but then I think like Morris and Powell and Kennard, they're all, and Reggie, they're all like a little, like a step above those two as just catch and shoot and just in general off the catch threats. Like, you know, Mark, Morris with his height, like you just got to, you got to run him off the line. Um, he's he's going to shoot against this, this, the short closeout. So um, if you're like really trying to stretch a team out and do the whole five out thing, then I think, you know, you want to get some of those guys in, but then, for balance, you got to have yeah, you got to have Covington, you got to have Nico, you got to have Terrence Mann, guys like that. You got to have Zoo, but they clearly, you know, there's probably like a ceiling on however many minutes they're gonna play Zoo. Um, so yeah, a lot of a lot of stuff to track for them, but um, I do think yeah, Covington's yeah. Gee, somehow I managed to stretch a simple agreement with Lou right, to little couple minutes spiel. Spiel, sorry about that. Welcome. I think that actually segues really sort of nicely, um, James, into you know, sort of talking about some of the storylines and questions we've got about this Clippers team heading into the season. And I think before we get into who's coming back um, and to, you know, reclaim LA, um, my biggest question, I think, and it's a real head scratcher, is just that finding minutes for everybody on this roster, like they've turned like the depth is one thing but you know you're rattling off names and it's just where are the minutes going to come for nick Batum? where are they like amir coffee bless his soul um he may not see the floor um he's, he might have a few dmps probably would not be surprising if it happens you've got you've got to find minutes for covington um for canard for terence Mann, who i know um james you'll talk a little bit more about and he's someone of as bad as it almost seems, almost like, yeah, forgotten about on this roster. Um, for my fine minutes for Marcus Morris, for Norman Powell, who proved to have a real, you know, factor when he headed across to the Clippers. How many minutes is Zubat's going to play and what's Wall's role looking like? Lou, like, if you're Ty Lou, how, how are you looking at this rotation and thinking, well, what am I going to do here? It's a really generic response, but I think if this team's winning at a high rate, they're okay. Uh, super combustible in a certain sense, though. And it won't affect these guys, right? Because if you've got one troublemaker, this roster is super versatile. You can trade almost any of those fringy names you've mentioned and they'd still be a contender. 
I get worried with that. I mean, Ty Lue's a really good manager of personalities. I do get really worried with it. Um, it it kind of brings back some PTSD from the the Kyrie Gordon Haywood return here in Boston, where it was like you know these guys who'd been playing more minutes got pushed into bench roles again, and Marcus Morris was actually one of them. Um, and things weren't working. I guess what you've got to hope is that almost all of those names you just dropped are veterans without a championship. And veterans without a championship tend to find a way to sacrifice. Mm. Um, the other thing is, use it to your advantage, Tyler. Why play Kawhi Leonard any more than 60 games? Why play Paul George any more than 60 games? If you can float, they floated above 500 last year with all of their injury issues. If you can stay 500 in the games that those guys sit and then win it, you know, I don't know, what's a reasonable amount? Four of every six with those guys in the in, maybe five of every seven, um, you'll be in a great spot. So I think it's more him leaning into to load managing his veterans and less trying to find a way to perfectly piece together this puzzle, Nick. Yeah, I think that's a really good call. I mean, sort of getting Kawhi back, you know, I don't think anyone's expecting him to be you know, maybe like the 100% the player that he was like right from day dot, he might be because he's a robot. Um, but it's going to be really sort of interesting to sort of see how they balance that out. But yeah, I think staying healthy and then just being primed for a really uh, dangerous um, playoff push, I think is, you know, a good place for the Clippers to be in. James, sort of looking at, you know, that list of names on that roster, who do you think is, you know, potentially going to be, you know, a surprising odd man out um, who may not be getting the the type of playing time that maybe they were getting last year um, or the type of playing time that they're expecting this year? Um, I think... Uh, I mean... Hmm. Yeah, uh, I mean, I totally agree with the load management thing. I think they'll have to... Um, yeah, geez. Like I, I like I always viewed Norman Powell like that trade. I always viewed it as he's gonna be an elite like regular season and just twenty points whenever you know, when you need a load manager quiet PG. So I guess I would say if you know, if it was me, he would his minutes would be the ones that dialed down when everyone's healthy. Like he'd go like when when one of the B two is out, he'll play starter, closer minutes most likely. Um, but if both of them are healthy, I would play him, you know, about 15 to 20. And then that's the thing. Like, they have, um, they, you know, I think with that deep of a roster, I think they've got to, they have to, you know, they can't, they have to build towards actually, you know, getting a set playoff rotation in that second half of the season off the trade deadline. So I think they almost, yeah, I think oh, I don't know. It's gonna be interesting. Like I think uh, they they have to kind of make an early judgment on who they think they can raise the trade value of. I reckon in the first half, sec two thirds of the season, and then just roll with those guys until the other guys behind them. Um, you know, just just stick it out. Um, you'll you'll get your turn eventually. Because for example, Norman Powell, like again, um, I think he's a prime. You know. Uh, Get get him his twenty points a game on a team that's winning, you know, two thirds or whatever of their games. Um, you know, he, all of a sudden his trade value will shoot right back up. You know, he can probably run some some puff pieces on his defense. It, it's it, you know, this defense is it, like you know on a 
on Portland where there's holes everywhere, you know, it's really, really easy to scapegoat a guy like Norman. He's got his issues, but, you know, you can see in the Clippers, you know, five, not five out, like small ball, switch every scheme, you know, Ty Lue with his attention to detail. You can see Norm, you know, having some impressive, I don't know, isolation defensive players and stuff, and then that can, you know, raise his defensive perception across the league. So I think he, he's one that sticks out to me as a... Well, yeah, I've basically talked about what we were supposed to talk about later, but he's someone who I think... Um, yeah, I think basically what might happen is they might have to, you know, just be really kind of inconsistent start of the season and then, you know, set on settle on a few guys that they'll they'll look to try and move and then eventually, you know, they'll but I think, yeah, like uh Powell when Ross is healthy, Coffee has mentioned, and then also I think Kennard, um, I'm really struggling to see his specific role now because, you know, do you need the movement shooting now that you know you've got more creation back and with wall uh you're bringing in wall and then Kawhi, and then um you know in terms of specialist spot off shooting you've got some really good options so and then i, I don't think the clippers have really looked to use canards inside the arc game a whole lot in his tenure here um you know, one of the things I was really excited about when I think my first pod was Lou, uh, like I talked about Kennard, like his playmaking inside the arc, he's got a nice floater, you know, um, and then they haven't really used that. So, yeah, I think those are the names I'm thinking of there. Yeah, I think there's some, a lot of guys who, this is a roster that's going to be in a bit of a state of flux and it'd be interesting to sort of watch the, the rotation um, sort of, change and ebb and flow in those first few weeks of the season and see exactly what type of looks they're, you know, they're wanting to put out there. Um, and, but, you know, the, the main guy who's sort of be, going to be impacting that rotation is Kawhi Leonard, who is coming back after, um, you know, missing the year um, through injury. Lou, how are you kind of uh, seeing Kawhi's return? You know, what, what terms in, in terms of production, um, how far you can take this team um, and, Potentially, you know, as someone who's trying to reclaim his status a little bit amongst the the upper echelon of uh, NBA stars. Look, I think the beauty in Kawhi is whether it's just his unique personality or who he is, I don't think he'll come out and try to do anything silly to try and reclaim some sort of crown. Um, no, you know. I will just flat out throw shade here at LeBron. I don't think he'll be hanging around in, in garbage time minutes trying to pick up an extra 10 points to pad out his stat line. Um it's interesting because he, I saw a photo of him the other day. He's looking heavy, he, not necessarily fat. Like it's a bit, he's just looking, I mean, look, he, he's a kind of bloke that I'm guessing could probably put on 10 kilos of muscle just by looking at a dumbbell. But um, like he, it's an interesting point of his career because I, I objectively like the idea of him filling out more, being a four. Like he's such a good mid-range shooter. He's always had an underrated post-up game, not for any great, amazing footwork, just because he's so much stronger than most people think he is. Um, and letting Paul George be the perimeter fly around, you know, athletic type. The question is, can his can his body sustain extra weight? Because um, it's all well and good to say, okay, we're going to play him at the four. We're going to operate him more out of the post. Um, he's going to kind of move into that 2018, 2019 LeBron kind of phase of his career a little bit. Um, but the problem is, can his body can his body sustain that? Sustain that, but. Look, I'm positive because of the because of the depth he's got around him, because of the versatility he's got around him. If this was a Kawhi and 
not much else kind of roster, I'd be really nervous. Um, but I'm mainly interested to see what sort of weight he comes into the regular season with and whether that affects the way he plays at all or whether he's basically going to still be that guy that went toe-to-toe with Luka Doncic and, and came out on top uh, last time we basically saw him on the court, Nick. Yeah, I think the weight's an interesting way. I saw that, yeah, that, the photo that you were talking about and I was like, yeah, he looks big. Um, I mean, I might talk about it a little bit later in terms of lineups and I actually might ask a, an alternate question to our lineup category, um, which I won't say now because I would like some uh, off-the-cuff responses for that. Um, yeah, I'm very intrigued to see what sort of his role is Um how he eases back into the season um, and what type of player um, he looks like for the Clippers and what type of player he's asked to be. Um, I think it will be really interesting, particularly considering the roster construction, um, the lack of, um, you know, bigs um, on this team, at least in the traditional sense. Um, so I'll be, yeah, I'll be quite intrigued to sort of see what happens um, with Kawhi. And I think a lot of that sort of, um, a lot of what he looks like is sort of, uh, you know, the measuring stick for how, you know, the Clippers are going to go um, in what's turning into a pretty jam-packed Western Conference. Um, obviously, we'll talk about what yeah, win expectations are um, in terms of a, re- a predicted record for this team. But, James, how are you kind of seeing, um, you know, this iteration of the Clippers placed um, sort of uh, amongst um, the standings of the Western Conference? How how good do you think this team can be? Oh, they're my... As a Timberwolves fan, they're my number one concern, honestly. Part of that's also match-up, but um, they're, they're right up there. Um, yeah, right up there. I'll keep it sweet and short. Hold on. Lou, are we thinking, are they a, a top two team? Are they a top four or five team? What, what's the ceiling on this Clippers team, or is it a bit hard to gauge if they are going to be you know, doing some uh, load management through the season? I think... I think regular season and playoffs. If I'm combining that all together, I think it's I think it's a they're up there next to Golden State. I I'll always give the difference to the reigning champions. It's just the way I think the league needs to go. The only other team I'd put in the same category as them, and this is providing health and everything, is Denver. Um, if Denver gets everyone healthy, I think they're going to be look. There's a chance that teams like Memphis just outrun and gun the Clippers in the regular season because that's how it works when you've got an aging roster, right? But I think I think if I'm a if I'm a Western Conference executive as they refer to them on Twitter, I'd much prefer to get I'd much I'd like this is a team that I don't want in a first round matchup. Whether they're the five seed, the six seed, the three seed, I'm I'm dodging this first round matchup um wherever possible outside of maybe Golden State. Yeah, I think that's a, a pretty good way to put it because, yeah, they, they could be sort of finishing all over the place in the standings due to, you know, working, taking time to work out this um, the rotation, um, taking time to, you know, sort of get Kawhi back into, you know, being the, the cyborg killer that he is. Um, so, I'm, yeah, I'm intrigued to see how good they are sort of during the regular season. Um, but, yeah, playoffs, this is yeah not the team that you want to go against because I think that, just the depth that they've been able to sort of pad out alongside these two. I think it's, you know, arguably one, at least on paper, probably one of the better Clippers teams that, you know, there's probably franchises seen. Um, so well, whether that, you know, roster on paper turns into a, a championship rotation, we'll have to see. Um, and then the, I think sort of the last sort of one, I mean, we sort of touched on it a little bit um, was sort of the Reggie Jackson versus John Wall battle. Um, 
sort of for training camp is going to be really intriguing. How do you both sort of uh, look at how that'll go um, and what's either player maybe offering um, and bringing to the table um, maybe more than the other? James, you can go. You can go first here. I feel like you'll have a stronger opinion. Um, I think I think when Wall locks in, he's more impactful one on one defensively, which matters in their their scheme. Like I could see him being pretty annoying against a uh, like a Tatum or a LeBron, even on a switch, depending on where it is in the post. Probably not, but out on the perimeter, maybe. So. Um, but geez. I mean, they started Bledsoe to start last season, right? Yep. Yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll reckon they'll, they'll start Wall, but um, oh, it's gonna be interesting to see what happens if Wall's kind of just save old John Wall, um, and doesn't really make an effort to change his game for the sake of the others who. Um, as, uh, I mean, you know, Lou is Lou, Lou trusted Reggie Jackson over Rondo in the 2021 run, um, and you know, kind of canned the Rondo thing, I think, pretty quickly, like he adjusted pretty quickly. So, um, yeah, it's gonna be interesting to track that. I think for me, the, the question is gonna be, and, and we kind of didn't get a great sample size either the year before is that, you know, James touched on the fact that um, he thinks Reggie Jackson's the the better fit alongside the two superstars. Um, it's really just going to be a, a training camp matters less uh, to me. I think it's going to be who shows out to be better at, a, I guess, a sixth man role. So away from those two guys and who's better, you know, alongside those two guys. And it, it's the biggest concern I have here is this is a combustible situation ego wise. Um, I know John Wall said all the right things. I, I've also seen plenty of reporting that he looks at this as, as his starting spot to lose. Um, and Reggie Jackson, I certainly think, you know, he's obviously very close with Paul George. I saw him speaking at Paul George's camp the other day and, and telling, telling kids that he was pretty much going to retire coming out of Detroit and Paul George, you know, Paul George and the Clippers kind of, through a lifeline to his basketball career and all this kind of stuff. So yeah, this is, this is probably going to be of all the situations that Tyler has to manage. This might be the toughest because the other thing is outside of spot minutes, you really can't play them alongside each other. This is not a compromised situation for any great period of time. Um, I think Reggie Jackson ends up being the better player, but I'd say that the very, the very best version of what John Wall could be potentially is probably a better player than Reggie, but I think Reggie, plateaus out um, as a better player just based on we haven't seen peak John Wall since, what, 2017? Mm. Yeah, I think that, I mean, Jackson's shooting ability, um, you know, is a bit more appealing than John Wall's, um, which is, you know, I think maybe why I'd probably be leaning towards that a little bit. I'm just intrigued to sort of see how Reggie goes um from last season where a large chunk of the season he was the guy on the on this Clippers team to now being, you know, if he is um, out there with Paul George and Kawhi being the third option again and sometimes maybe a fourth option depending on, you know, if Marcus Morris is out there firing away. So um, seeing who's more comfortable in that role um, 
I think is going to be the most sort of in, in intriguing thing. Is it who's yeah, who's the most uh, willing and ready to to take a back seat and understand that you know um, that their moments maybe aren't going to come as consistently consistently as they have in their past in their respective careers. But it'll be one to watch. Um, Lou, I reckon we probably take a break there and then uh, come back um, with all our different predictions for the season awards, uh, predicted lineups and records. Uh, for the LA Clippers. Pacific Post-Ups is closely affiliated with OTG Basketball. They've got a fantastic podcast and YouTube network where you can keep up to date with all things NBA. Make sure you follow them on Twitter and YouTube at OTG Basketball. Back to the show. And we're back going through awards and regular season predictions uh you two boys both came up with the same mvp on your ballot uh nick and james i guess we'll start off with you nick who have you got for the clippers mvp although he is coming back from a pretty major injury i think it's it's hard to to go past Kawhi leonard for this award um you know someone who when, when fit and firing is a is a nba mvp candidate for sure um and i think particularly yeah, he could have a crack at the award really depending on how many games he plays um but i think yeah the the redemption and the, the storyline sort of him coming back and um you sort of mentioned it, Lou, he's probably not someone who cares about that sort of stuff too much but that's the kind of thing that voters can really get behind is sort of someone returning and yeah sort of uh reasserting themselves as a as one of the you know top 10 players in the nba i won't sort of um specify that anymore otherwise we start and we can have a very very long discussion about um that category of players but um yeah i think that what he's able to do on both sides of the floor is is borderline unmatched um in the nba so um yeah i think that he's a a pretty self-explanatory pick um james anything else to add on sort of Kawhi and why he's you know he is the guy for the clippers and uh you know how, how you sort of see him as one of the guys in the nba yeah, I agree on everything you said. And then to add on to that, um, for the Clippers, I think I think when it comes down to it across the playoff series, he's going to have to um, kind of be a little bit of that, like, you know, Mr. Fix-It to an extent even. Like, like I mentioned how I think Covington has to be this small ball five, but if that's the case, um, uh, I think at some stage Kawhi is going to have to, for example, guard, you know, maybe the best post player or... Um, you know, be the best rebounder, or you know, you know, focus on boxing out a big guy. Um, you know, Batum obviously has done that a lot more than he did as a Charlotte Hornet, which is you know good for Clippers fans and really frustrating to see as someone who you know his first <laughs> NBA love was the Hornets. Um, but you know, Batum he he does a good good job, but you know, ultimately I think. You know, if it comes down to maybe a Doncic or an Anthony Davis, maybe if he even makes playoffs and, you know, maybe even just, you know, holding up Jokic for two seconds, allowing the, the help to get over, stuff like that. I think you might have to lean to Kawhi for that. Um, yeah, when it comes down to it. And, yeah, so he just, in addition to, you know, all he does offensively, um, I think he also might have, I don't know if the I don't know if there's going to be a clear you know MVP for this team defensively. I think it's going to be a lot of really just 
you know, for example, rebounded by committee and just, you know, really locked in team defense, um, you know, switch, switching a lot, stuff like that. But I do think, um, I do think Kawhi kind of might have to wear, you know, a few different hats um, to kind of help, you know, get this team to where it wants to be. So, yeah, um, that's kind of why. He's certainly a guy who's going to have to, you know, be the best guy in a lot of categories. It'd be interested to sort of see how his body lets him do that and what kind of Kawhi Leonard we get uh, in this upcoming coming NBA season. Lou, you've gone in a slightly different direction for your MVP pick for this team. Who have you got? Um, yeah, look, honourable honourable mentions to um, Moses Brown and Jason Preston, but I've gone with Paul George. Um I think people forget that he obviously had his, his shocker in the bubble and then the year that he came back after that was a pretty decent Paul George revenge tour, I guess we'll call it that. Um, he was really lighting up you know, the NBA and then I think he really got the monkey off his back when Kawhi was injured and he was able to obviously topple that that Utah team. Um, and then last year when he was healthy, he was still really good. Like, I, I, I don't know. I, I suspect that people forget that because he was barely healthy, but... Uh, for me, regular season-wise, maybe he'll push a bit harder than Kawhi will if he can stay healthy. Um, he's probably going to get the second-best defender, not the first, which has to come into the equation as well. Um, and I, I'm just betting on an extension of the Paul George revenge tour, I guess. Yeah, I, I like it. Um, yeah, sort of him getting a you know a full, proper um, uh, pre-season and... Uh, coming off that UCL injury, I think that, yeah, he still um, looms as a very major part of this Clippers team, obviously. But I think that, yeah, um, I'm not sure. Yeah, the discourse around Paul George, I think, has always intrigued me. Um, you know, some of it deserves, some of it not. Um, so, yeah, I, I'm keen to him to see him be continue to be a really big factor um, in – uh, a postseason run for this Clippers team, so I think that yeah, having him as a as an MVP MVP pick is certainly not uh, you know out of control um, by any stretch. Um, a category that is going to be a little bit more contested um, with three very different options from all of us um, is the most improved player for this Clippers team. Um, James, you've gone with the guy who had a very sort of. Uh, meteoric rise on this Clippers team the season before last um, and someone who I think everyone is quite keen to see how he fits into Ty Lue's, uh, you know, uh, rotation uh, for this Clippers team. Who have you gone with for your most improved uh, player? Yeah, I've gone Terrence Mann. In hindsight, maybe most improved isn't the right word um, because I think a lot of his impact would just be him doing what he kind of already does, but um, you know, he's a guy who's improved year on year. So, you know, they tried him at point guard. Um, and I do think they're going to have to not, maybe not have to. Well, I, I think they really should look into him at point guard come playoff time. And then, you know, I'll, I'll be really excited to see how he handles that responsibility with, with the other guys back. But, you know, he's, I think he's a guy who he steps up to the plate. I mean, and, you know, improves year on year. So, um, I guess also perhaps maybe I don't see a whole lot of improvement across the core plays in the roster. I think a lot of their kind of impact and roles are pretty defined, you know, 
um, you know, man has a bit more of that kind of unknown factor of being young. And I think his spot in the rotation is a little bit less clear, but I do back him and his skills to kind of get him that initial, you know, foothold in the rotation over similar types like maybe Powell or Kennard, um, especially when everyone is healthy. And, you know, in that case, I can see him, you know, stepping up. So I'll go with T-Man, yeah. No, really good shout. I think he's um, someone who can... Yeah, he's still got some room to grow. Um, defensively, he's already excellent. Um, but, you know, look, I'm still looking forward to seeing his offensive game expand a little bit. It'll just be interesting to sort of see what, if, if he's able to do that, um, given um, the big two will be back. Um, but, yeah, he'll he'll have nights where he can really pop off. Um, and he's a, yeah, a really exciting player. And, you know, for a team that doesn't have a lot of players sort of under the age of 28, um yeah, he's still someone who's got certainly some upside to his game. So very good shout. Uh, Lou, for your uh, most improved, this is not someone who's uh, 25, um, someone who's past the threshold of 30. And we've got a lot of question marks um, over this guy heading into the season. Who have you got for most improved? Yeah, look, I, I went a little bit rogue on the way the NBA kind of decides this award. And I went with John Wall. Um a guy who's effectively starting at a baseline of zero because he's barely played the last couple of years. And when he did play in Houston, I mean, he showed flashes, right? But it was that weird season where Oladipo was floating around and Houston had just kind of kick-started their, their rebuild. And there was a, the, the fat Harden stuff going on and it was just bizarre. Um, so like, I, I think there is every chance that John Wall comes into this system with a bunch of shooters around him, a reduced role, and just looks awesome. Um, and by that, oh, by those odds, I guess I'm, I'm taking a bit of a punt and, and going for the comeback story here since the NBA annoyingly got rid of the comeback of the year award many years ago now, Nick. Yeah, I'd be very happy if they gave most improved players, uh, most improved awards, you know, in the NBA to players who, you know, just aren't sophomores and, uh, you know, a lottery picks going from very good to great. Um, yeah, um, depending on where, what production we kind of see out of him, it could, yeah, it could be a real sort of chance for, you know, we've seen the Clippers rehabilitate the career of many an NBA player in the last five years. And I think that uh, John Wall has a really good chance of, uh, joining that list um so we'll have to see um how we go but this is what we've been waiting for this is the this is the category we really want to talk about particularly with the team that we do have which player do we think is most likely who is going to poll the most evita zubak's uh award uh, votes throughout the season particularly given the great man uh it is now very much secure as a part of the Clippers' legacy. Uh, Lou, let's let's kick off with someone who I know you're a big fan of. Um, yeah, look, it's for me, it's Brandon Boston. Um, the only concern I have is does he get the minutes required? But he's got the he's got the superstar upside. He gave us some flashes last year. Um, I think he won't get talked about despite his potential a lot just because of the the max contract guys on this roster, but. Um, big heat check guy has the potential to come in and really take over a game in the right setting. Um, and yeah, probably the, the highest untouched upside on this, uh, on this team. So I've gone with, with Brandon Boston. Um, I guess I'll flick over to, to, to James, um, who's, who's echoing his, his support of, uh, of the same player. James, who have you, who have you got? Yeah. T 
Terrence Mann, you know, he just, I feel like he ticks all the boxes of the, the Zoos Awards. So, you know, who won it last year, by the way? Was it Coffee or oh, for the Clippers, at least? Oh, that's a very good question. Um, oh, I, can probably, I can probably tell here. I'm having to flick through the list at the moment. Blue, Is it, it blue probably canard, coffee or canard? canard. Oh, yeah. canard. Okay. Yeah. Fair. Um, like that too. Coffee definitely did poll votes though. I can see coffee polled some votes here. Okay, cool. Um, yeah, I, for, but with, with regards to Boston, I mean, fuck, what a pick. Because um, I kind of feel like, you know, if one of Reggie and Ward's healthy and then, you know, if one of even... Yeah, just if Reggie and Wall are healthy, and then you you know you add Norman Powell there, and um, you know Powell's always coming off ball, so you know he's not necessarily taking the ball away. But I remember, like for example, when Portland didn't have one of their star guards, they would just run a ton of actions for Norm, especially you know first three quarters, maybe down stretch, you know, because he's an off ball player, it's a little bit harder. But yeah, geez, Boston, that's that 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 that, that one's. That is, that is, I feel like that's such a, yeah, hot take, but I mean, I love it. it was, uh, I do like him as a lot as a player, but geez, um, you know, they've got to, yeah, I, just, I mean, I guess my question is like, you know, in the hierarchy, you know, you got, you you, you know, Marcus Morris will get his, you know, little face up touches when the the guys aren't there. Um, you know, Reggie, obviously the primary last year, basically, basically, you know, played a, you know, yeah, heliocentric role. You know, T Man's expanding his game. You know, yeah, as I said, Norm can get such as I mean, yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll yeah, I'm struggling to see it honestly. But I, do like I think I think it's uh, my hope is he comes into training camp and just basically it's like Anthony Simons last year on the Blazers, where you just have to find a way to get this guy minutes. Um, I'm yeah, kind fair. of just. If I, you know, this Clippers organization isn't isn't naive to the fact that they need players for the future as well because of the way they've yeah. done their draft. Okay. So I think if he if he really knocks the socks sure. off of Ty Lue and the coaching staff, they'll they'll find minutes for him. And if anything, it frees up an option for them to trade a trade another player. Um, Nick, uh, I've obviously thrown James a little bit with my pick of, of Brandon Boston. I think the listeners are going to be uh, quite shocked by uh, by your pick for the year. Absolutely. Um... I've gone with the with the great man himself. Uh, it's Avita Zubats. Um, I think that he's got a real chance to do have a very similar year to what uh, to to one of the guys, uh, one of our co-winners of the Zoobs Award last year, um, which was um, Kevon Looney. And I think that he fills a very similar kind of gap uh, on you know for the Clippers um, that Looney was doing for the Warriors. I mean. The Clippers don't have center depth. Um, he's going to be asked to do a lot, and there's going to be nights where doing a lot is simply being out there and getting a body on and just copying a battering from a lot of big guys. And there's going to be a lot of nights where Zubes's production doesn't show up in a, in a box score. Um, you know, but I still think that he's such a key factor. I think that he's improving as a scorer and as a defender. Um, 
his ability to stay out there um, and not get himself into like the massive foul trouble quite often that he would sort of earlier in his career has been really good. And yeah, still one, I think one of the more underrated players in, in the NBA. And I think is just a, such a key cog um, for the Clippers. He's now, you know, he's the longest tenured guy um, who's on that roster at the moment. So, um, you know, Tyloo loves him. Um, the team loves him. And yeah, I think that he's got a, a really good opportunity to, absolutely storm home with his own award. Um, we'll, we'll have to see. Um, I just realized as well that I didn't give my um, candidate for most improved. Um, so I'm going to slot him in right now. And that's um, Luke Kennard. So we've been talking a lot about sort of the the glut of wings and guards and uh, twos and threes who Tyloo has at his disposal. And I think that Kennard's got a chance to really sort of set himself out um, in this team i think that you know a guy who shot 45 percent from three last year on six attempts per game um is always someone who is going to be a handy weapon to have um i think alongside Kawhi and pg i didn't think we saw it um enough um when he came across to the clippers i was a bit surprised sometimes at his lack of playing time but i still think that um, his shooting ability, um, his ability to do a little bit of ball handling and playmaking. Uh, James mentioned the the dynamite floater that he's gotten, so that sort of inside the arc game that hasn't really had a chance to to flourish probably as much as some people have expected. Yeah, I just yeah, I I still think that he's got a really good opportunity to be you know the best of that sort of secondary wing, wing rotation and a real chance to you know play some closing minutes with this team. I perfectly agree. Um, you know, he, he's a guy that is tough to find a spot for it, to slot him into any of the starting lineups, but he, he's certainly a guy that you could see closing on the right night. Um, you know, again, sit, ask Washington Wizard fans what that man can do to you in the fourth quarter. Um, shifting over to the predicted lineups, this this is a really tough team to do this for, which sounds weird for a team that's got two, you know, max contract superstars, which basically means you're only picking three spots. Um Nick, uh, me and you have gone fairly similar with with one difference. Who have, who have you got for your predicted starting lineup? Yeah, so I I think that John Wall is going to be starting um, from day one. I'm not sure if that he'll be in the starting lineup by the end of the season. I'm not sure if he'll be on the Clippers by the end of the season. Who knows? Um, but my lineup that I've gone with is Wall, George, Kawhi, Marcus Morris, and Avica Zubats. And I think the four spot is one of the more interesting slots uh, on this uh, in this starting lineup and in this rotation. Um, I think they are, will go with Marcus Morris's uh, scoring and shooting ability. Um, although I personally, I'd probably be leaning with who you picked, Lou. Um, I think that they'll probably will go with Morris. And you sort of talked about maybe not upsetting the apple cart. I think that putting him in the starting lineup is maybe the best sort of, uh, you know, situational and uh, sort of uh, ego management that Ty Lue could do. Um, I think that Nick Batum is going to care less um, about not starting, basically. So that's why I went with Morris as the starting four. Yeah, look, as Nick alluded to there, I've gone with the same lineup, but instead of Morris, I've gone Batum. I just wonder if this is the year they finally shift Morris out of the starting lineup. And I've had no issue with the way Morris has played. Like James has said, you know, he'll shoot off a short closeout. He'll, Hell, having watched make Marcus Morris for 18 months, he'll shoot off a heavy closeout. Um, but <laughs> at the end of the day, I think that leaning into this idea of Kawhi 
Kawhi's bulking season, maybe he's really more of a four. And I think Batum can probably guard threes better than Morris can at this point in his career. Uh, Morris actually gives a decent effort, but he's just a bit bigger and heavier footed. Um, so that's uh, that's the lineup I've gone with. Uh, I, I guess the, the the smokiest lineup that's been picked here is is James, um, whose whose personal preferences are certainly coming to the the four here. Uh, James, who have you got for the Clippers uh, predicted lineup? Uh, well, so I didn't realise that we're picking starting lineup. Are we? Uh, you can okay. use if this is your closing lineup. I'm happy for you to be okay. the one closing. Yeah, lineup. so this is my closing lineup, and so Harris Van, Paul George, Batum, Kawhi Covington. Um, mm. uh, it's a blend of a few things because I think if I was if it was my choice, I'd close with Zubach most of the time. Um, but then you know, the Clippers kind of yeah, just so they have to go small so kind of going with Covington at the five. And I just think, and then it's kind of just, I feel like this is the way you kind of, uh, you know, uh, make up for Covington's deficiencies. Um, like, I really like Nick's starting five because I think also, like, that probably puts, like, you know, if you, if Covington plays back up five, you know, he gets those reps in the regular season to adjust to playing five because he hasn't really played five. Houston. Ever. Oh, yeah, but, you know, Tucker was guarding the big guys and then yeah. I mean, he was more involved in pick and roll as well. So, but yeah, um, yeah, uh, I mean, they might not even have him do that, that stuff, but I think in general, um, I think, yeah, having Morris at the four and then I think, you know, kind of binning him when, when it, in the games matter and chucking sliding Nico in there for the for the meaningful games. I think that works really nicely. Um but yeah, so I think, you know, Covington at the five, I think, you know, kind of any small ball lineup, but Covington also he's not a you know, one of those, you know, kind of in their own way kind of physical freaks like a PJ Tucker or a Draymond Green who are, you know, as strong as, as a five and can take those hits inside. I think he's he's not that type of guy and um you know, if if he is guarding the post, he's winning more, and you know his length and smarts and stuff like that, his hands. So, um, I think yeah. So you know, man at point guard, and I think man in general, he's just shown you know, when Lou in 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 the past few years when he needs that kind of you know, uh, defensive uh, spark, I guess he he's he's pretty open to subbing man in. I think that's his go-to guy actually for that um, in the last few years. So I think he's got the coach's trust in that regard. And I think just in general, you know, I think depending on the series, you know, first round, maybe Kawhi and PG have a bit more energy. They'll be, you know, getting to a stance, you know, chopping their feet a bit more at the point of attack. But I think across, a, you know, a deep playoff run, they're going to have to lean on man. And then I think overall, you know, if man takes a step, you know, with the offense, I think he, the, the the whole thing's just going to add up, you know, his rebounding, his, his defense. Um, so I think, yeah, I, I just think that's the most balanced lineup. Um, obviously, you know, if the, you know, there's probably a few questions about the offense because um, it's just not as deadly a five-out lineup as one with some of those, you know, the other shooters they've got. But, yeah, I, I still think, yeah, that's the their best um, balanced closing lineup in line with kind of what they kind of uh, push. And I think, 
yeah, I mean, a man, George, platoon, choir, one, two, four, sweet. I mean, you know, it's just, it's, it'd be a nightmare for any, any guard, ball handler, really. Um, mm. So, yeah. Yep. I, I love the, the versatility that that lineup has got. Um, that actually, that, the question I was going to ask is that we may have some more certainty about who might be starting, but closing is, Tyler's got a lot of interesting sort of pieces to work with. We've heard James's thoughts. Lou, who would you be closing with? If you're sitting in Ty Lou's shoes and you're trying to win yourself a game, not just hold on to a game, but win yourself a game, um, you know, in the closing stretch, who would you be looking at um, as your five-man unit out on the floor? This is entirely just randomised, obviously, based off not knowing who the opposition is. Um, but I'd probably go with... It's very possible I go with a man, George Batum, Kawhi Covington, but I think I probably lean Zubach in yeah. um, for either man or Covington, depending on how big the opposition is playing, purely because I, I still like a guy that can set a screen and have the role gravity for Kawhi and Paul George as well, of course, of course. So that kind of spacing, Zubs could potentially be eaten inside on offensive rebounds and the like as well. Um, so yeah, it, it, it is a little bit matchup dependent, um, but you know, if I'm playing the the Wolves, I'm probably just stretching them all the way out and going five out. But if I'm playing just a regulation kind of four in, four out, one in, I'm probably letting Zoobs eat a little bit on the inside. What about yourself, Nick? You got anything radical? Yeah, I do. Um, I I had sort of looked at going small, and then I was like, you know what, I'm playing it way too safe. So I hope Kawhi's ready um, for the rigors of what this lineup would look like, but I would have gone with, I need to make sure I've actually got my numbers right here. Uh, yeah, that looks about right. One, two, three. Yep, that's good. Um, I'd be going with Reggie Jackson, Luke Kennard, Terrence Mann, Paul George, and Kawhi Leonard. So Kawhi Leonard would be the smallest of small ball fives, but also the strongest of small ball fives. I'm wanting to get a bucket at the end of a game. Bucket defending, I don't really mind. I want some switchability and some movement out there. I want Reggie Jackson's ability to get me a bucket when I need to. I need Luke Kennard shooting, and I want Terrence Mann's do everything out there, get myself a stop, hit a corner three, drive to the rim, all that sort of stuff, and then Paul George out there as well. So that's my wild and wacky closing group for the Clippers. Look, you, you, you'll pretty much be able to make have that take with complete safety of knowing I don't think we ever see that lineup. Um, <laughs> so like, there's probably no world where you actually get held accountable for that, which I don't mind it if it's like a last possession. I've, I have some real defensive questions about when guys start blowing by Reggie Jackson and Luke Kennard, how much, unless Kawhi Leonard is one finger blocking guys at the rim like he did to Jamal Murray. Um, I weirdly feel like Paul George needs to play like the pseudo- Covington in Houston next to Tucker kind of role at that point with just using his length as a rim protector. Um, I think Kawhi's days of, of standing under the rim and, and using his verticality are probably potentially beyond him. But I, I like the creativity. I like that. For, I like it for an ATO as well if there's not long left on the clock. Um, yeah. I don't think we'll ever see it, sadly, for you, Nick. But um, hey, if you get yourself on the if you get yourself on the end of the Clippers roster, I'm I'm expecting on the end of the coaching bench, I'm expecting that one to come out at some point. I'll, uh, I'll make sure I play a bit of that lineup in 2K, record some footage and see how it goes. Yeah, let's know how it goes. So uh, over to predicted record. Um, James, you've, you've gone the, the most positive here. Uh, what do you got for the clips? 
Yeah, so I went 56 and 26, and I think part of it is, you know, like we've mentioned, load management, and I think especially first half season, that's going to be a really good strategy. But I do think, I don't know if I'm reading this wrong, but I thought, you know, 2019-20, the bubble season, they could have uh, slowed that down a little bit. Like, I mean, I don't think, uh, they just had a bunch of injuries all, all that season, if I recall, but I kind of think... Um, like second half of the season, they should really try and ramp up and just get the core groups and some games together, especially with how, um, you know, how deep the roster is. Um, there's still a few new pieces in there, as we've discussed. You know, it's not just the same roster. You bring in Covington, uh, you might get a leap from Man, uh, Powell, etc. They haven't really, as as Nick discussed, they haven't really even played Canard with the, the two wings much in his tenure here. So, um I think, yeah, so they got to kind of flick that switch. And then once they do, I think they'll just be a buzzsaw. But, and then, you know, I mean, Lou showed he could coach a team without the two wings to a 500 record, basically. So I think, yeah, I, I think basically my read of the Clippers is I think they need to, they really need to, you know, hit the playoffs with some momentum. Um, and, uh, yeah, so they, like, you know, Lou mentioned, you know, should Kawhi play 60 games? I think I would I would be really trying to hit that at the least, but I'd hope he plays 65 or 70. Hopefully, you know, Cliff is just blowing some teams out, means he can have some, you know, 25-minute nights. Um, obviously, you know, suiting up and playing 25 is, is way more strained than, you know, just suiting up on the bench, but um, yeah, I think they uh, I, I, for them, I would hope they kind of um, yeah, don't don't overdo the load management thing because I think they uh, I kind of thought in 2019 20 they might have done, done it a little bit, um, but yeah, uh, yeah, oh, fair shout. Um, look, I've, I've gone 54 and 28, I think similar kind of thinking to you. James, it's it's a bit hard to predict at the moment with the West, with how all these teams are going to slot in. But I do like this team, um, you know, in the regular season because of their depth as well. Um, and it's it's just going to be a matter of you know a bit of health and a bit of variance as well. Uh, sometimes you know, of course, the the difference is is quite thin. Uh, how they execute late in games can sometimes move the needle four or five wins as well. So it, it's certainly something to keep an eye on. But I, I think they're good enough to justify the the fifty win tag. Uh, Nick, you, you toggled up your your win count ever so slightly. Um, what, what's uh, what's the thinking for your predicted record for the Clippers? Yeah, so 51 and 31, sort of what I'm looking at. Um, I, For a lot of the same reasons that you guys are sort of maybe going with slightly more wins, I'm a little bit not concerned, but I think there's going to be some questions to be asked about the, the balance of this roster in the opening weeks of the season, and I'm not expecting them to storm out of the gate. Um all, all power to them if they do. Um, if, if they open the season, you know, 11 and 0, but I don't see that happening. I see them taking some time to work out the right mix, and I think that they may drop some games during during that time trying to work out that process, um, which is why I've probably, you know, tempered my expectations in terms of a, of, um, a win-loss record. I don't think that's an, an indication of what I think this team can do in the playoffs. Um, just, yeah, working things out for the regular season and then also the health of... Uh, of Kawhi Leonard is, you know, I think a big question mark 
um, and sort of, you know, and his load management, as, as you guys have said, sort of through the year. Um, flicking over to one of the more interesting, I think, one of the more interesting teams to look at with this category, Lou, um, that you sort of brought in um, after our first uh, season preview is that the player most likely to get traded at the deadline. Uh, I would be crushed to see this man traded, but I'd also be pretty happy to see him in an opportunity um, where maybe he's going to get a bit more playing time. Who'd you go with? Yeah, I, I went with uh, I went with Luke Kennard. Um Again, you know, you tend to pick a mid-sized contract in this uh, category. I think there's a chance that with all of this depth that he's one of the guys that ends up being, you know, not needed as much and, and the Clippers just double down on everything being 3 and D. Um, so, yeah, I don't think there's a lot of other rosters that would eye off someone like Luke Kennard. Um, You know, obviously being an elite shooter uh, and, and a decent playmaker inside the arc as well. So, I've I've gone with Canard. Um, James, you've kind of identified a similar, uh, you know, over depth, I guess, in the roster. Um, who have you gone with? Yeah, I've gone with Norm. Um, I just think he does have because he is a really, uh, uh, I rate him as a player. Um, you know, that off ball, you know, using screens and getting to the rim off that is something I think only he really has on the roster. But I do think, you know, when you get Kawhi back, you know, you don't really, I don't think I'll really prioritise that in the offence. Um, and in that case, I think he's just, yeah, the least uh, useful, honestly. Uh, he's always been a bit of a playoff dropper to me. I don't really like the way he kind of reads the court and makes decisions on the move. Um, I don't think, you know, and then, uh, you'd think with the Clippers, they're five out spacing. They got a lot of, they got some good guards. They got those great wings. Obviously, maybe that's not a big an issue. But I think, come playoffs and you're mixing matching lineups a bit, um, I think that might come up a little bit. Um, and then I just think, yeah, defensively, don't really like him. Um, yeah, uh, I think he'll be better on the Clippers, obviously, than he was on the Blazers or um, even Toronto. But I just think, um, honestly, you know, he, he, he can be kind of spacey off ball. You can kind of, you know, I don't know. I just, um, you know, I think Kennard is kind of the whipping boy defensively for this team, and obviously that makes sense. But I honestly think, I remember in that, like, Jazz series, I thought he did... Like, when I saw him guarding Spider, obviously he got beaten off the dribble, but I was thinking, you know, that's a guy who, that's a guy I can hide on, you know, if, if the offense is worth, that's easily a guy I can hide. Um, uh, and then I think he's a lot better off ball than Powell. I just think Norm, he's, um, yeah, I don't know. I, I'm just not a uh, massive fan of him if, if he's not being relied upon to kind of shoot 15 to 20 times a game. Um, so, uh, yeah, I've gone with Norm. And, I, and then I think he's, I think the main thing is he's going to be the guy whose trade value is going to be easier to inflate as we discussed earlier. Like, I can easily sleep 20 points a game, you know, positive defense. Uh, uh, yeah, in quotation marks. For, um, and then, uh, and then, yeah, I can see some team biting on that and, yeah, and then just on Kennard, just, just wondering, what about a Pistons reunion, low-key? Like, I've been thinking about Ooh. that one. Like, that low-key might be a decent fit. You know, they've got a few defenders there. Um, 
yeah, I don't know how their roster kind of moves forward, but I, yeah, that, I don't know. That one would be kind of neat to me. Yeah, I think shooters along alongside those those young players is always a valuable asset. I think Canard's a reasonable locker room guy. It's a bit hard to tell with some of these guys like Canard exactly, you know, what they're like in the locker room, but they'd certainly have the space to be able to absorb someone like that. Um, of course, they it comes down to what the what the Clippers want back as well, of course. So there, there needs to be someone they probably desire on that Detroit roster. And, um, you know, obviously anytime you get three-team trades, it starts to get a bit messy. Um, but, yeah, I mean, there, there's certainly the potential there. Um, Nick, your choice could also potentially be reunited uh, in Detroit, uh, one of his mm. former teams. Uh, who have you Who have you gone for? Um, I think Marcus Morris is very uh, likely to be traded at the deadline. Um, although he is a little playing, as, could see some time playing some small ball five. Um, I have a sneaky suspicion that this lack of front court depth is something that um, could bite the Clippers um, in the behind um, through the season. And I, I wouldn't mind them seeing. Uh, going out and getting some front court depth um, to replace Morris. I think that the shots for Morris maybe aren't going to be there as much as they were last year. Um, and I think there's some other players who are going to fit in more to that sort of three and D role um, alongside Kawhi a little bit better than Morris does. I think that he's a very good regular season player, but sort of as James sort of alluded to sort of before is sort of, you know, maybe some less time for him down the stretch. Um, so I'd be looking around for some front court depth. I'd be, I'd be having half of a phone call with uh, Sacramento and seeing maybe if I could try to get Rashawn Holmes out of Sacramento to sort of bolster my front court depth and maybe slinging Marcus Morris across to get into you know if there's some minutes there uh, there for him in in that front court if maybe things aren't working out if they want to go a little bit bigger and go with um, you know Murray. Uh, Morris and Sabonis is like sort of your three through five. I know that's a little bit wacky and weird, but I'm looking at this more as the sort of the Clippers perspective and seeing if they can get, you know, a really, really good backup center across um, and someone like Holmes. I mean, there's probably some other trades to be made out there, but that was sort of one that came to mind pretty quickly. But yeah, I think trying to go get a backup five is going to be really key for this team. And Morris might be the odd man out if they're going to make a trade happen. Um. Wait, well, what do we think? What do we think? Like, do they, so Nick mentioned the backup five. Do we think there's any other actual skill sets the Clippers need to try and get? Um, but yeah, I'm just thinking about that. Like, that's the glaring one for me. I think before this season, I think Lou and I would always talk about playmaking and playmaking on this team. I think getting Wall in and you've got one Jackson. I think that's enough out of those yeah. those guys, and then you've got those other wings who can handle the ball and can play make a little bit. I think that part of the the Clippers department is now covered. Just front court yeah. depth, I think, is the real glaring uh, hole, I think, on this roster. Yeah. Gee, what, a, what a get that would be. <laughs> oh, man. I think someone with enough, if you talk, yeah, enough, like I like the idea of someone with enough role gravity that teams will have to help yeah. over if they like hedge on the, the ball handle, let's say it's Kawhi, PG, and then, someone that can then make that extra pass out of the short roll, which Holmes can certainly do. That, that's really the thing I'd like to see out of. Zubac can actually do a little bit as well if he gets enough time, but uh, that's probably what I'd like to see out of the, the backup big man. Um, probably another reason to steer clear, you know, a, a, a Dwight Howard type, I guess. Um, but again, depends on what your purpose is. 
that if that depth is just six fouls on Jokic and stuff like that, then that becomes a different equation. But you can find a lot of those guys on the yeah. scrap heap. Um, yeah, the other guy, um, just sort of a, another little bonus pick for a guy who might get traded. I mean, you sort of talked about Lou, sort of the building for the future a little bit. And is it the clip on the flip side? The Clippers may get a little bit trigger happy and continue to sort of, you know, go with more of a win now move. And Brandon Boston's a guy who could get traded to get someone who's, you know, a cheaper backup five. I can see that sort of trade uh, very much likely um, happening as, you know, sort of the Clippers have drafted some, a lot of sort of promising, uh, you know, kind of uh, high ceiling kind of guys and then move them on a little bit in the last couple of years. And Boston potentially could be another one of those. Yeah, I could see it. It, it. You'd need a team that would value him enough and also has a probably a young team, obviously, and also has a veteran that it's that fit thing right now where the, the way that the, the the bad teams rebuild in the NBA, they barely have any veterans left on their roster, which has some cultural issues to it. But um, it, it's that concerning, it's that one concerning point of objectively that trade makes a lot of sense. It's about finding a team that wants Boston, has a veteran that the Clippers want. Um, and that they they value Boston enough to kind of do that exchange as opposed to maybe just turning their veteran into a, a first round pick. Um, but you know, there's some some guys potentially on on something like your the, you know the Jazz at the moment, Nick, that are kind of sitting there for the taking. Maybe not one of the high salary guys, um, but you know, there's some of those teams that still have some leftover veterans left. I mean, Terrence Ross seems perpetually available in in Orlando, so could go um, get someone like Derek Favors from OKC um, yeah. to. Fitting in that spot, who knows? Yeah. Yep. No, I completely agree. Um, I think uh, I think we'll leave it there, fellas. It's been another pleasure. This Clippers roster is really going to be interesting. I can't can't wait to watch them uh, watch them play. Nick, it's uh, it's been a pleasure. James, thank you again for joining us, gents. And we'll be back with is it the Kings next week? I believe it's the Kings. Oh, that's it. Uh, that's James it. is ready. James yeah. is hyped. Uh, until then, thanks again, listeners. <laughs>